Welcome to Wisdom of the Masters, Hasidic Parsha Pearls. This is Gavriel Haran, and I want to apologize for having missed last week. The reason I missed last week, Parsha's Shamos, is because I was leading a trip to Poland, and I spent seven, the past seven days traveling throughout Poland, visiting Jewish heritage sites, Hasidic uh, of Hasidic masters and and Torah leaders, as well as Holocaust sites and ancient synagogues, and uh, culminating in Shabbos in Prague, we visited this, the famed Altenushul of the Maharal of Prague, famous Kabbalist. It was an amazing experience. We had uh, 40 uh, young Jews on the trip, from uh, mostly from Maryland and New York and uh, many of Russian backgrounds, or Bukharian backgrounds. It was a powerful, powerful experience. I think that it's a place that every Jew has to go at one point in their lives to see with their own eyes the uh, the locations and the, the impact of the Holocaust, and also to internalize the incredible legacy of a thousand years of Polish Jewry, uh, which was the largest Jewish community in the world prior to the Holocaust. There were 3 million Jews in Poland, and after the Holocaust, there were only 300,000 uh, 300, surviving. Now there are only 3,000 Jews in Poland. So um, with that in mind, I want to share with you an idea on this week's Torah Parsha, Parsha's Ve'era, where we begin the uh, exodus from Egypt. And I want to share an idea with you from the Eish Kodesh. The Eish Kodesh is the Piasetsna Rebbe, Rav Kalman Kalanimus Shapiro, of blessed memory, who was murdered by the Nazis in the Holocaust. Rav Pias, the, Rav, the Piasetsna Rebbe is known as the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. We actually learned about him on our trip, and he was uh, a great Rebbe descendant of the Nome Elimelech, who we'll discuss in a moment, the famous Rebbe of Lezhensk, buried in Lezhensk. We visited his grave during our trip, and we had a lively uh, Hasidic celebration there. It was amazing. We learned his special nigan uh, melody that he composed, which is sung until today. Along, it goes along with it a special dance, which I actually, uh, we danced at his grave. And, and on my, upon arrival back to America, the few hours after I got back home, I went to a bar mitzvah, Hasidic bar mitzvah, and they were actually singing that song and dancing it when I walked in, which was amazing. Um, so the P.S.S. Rebbe was descended from Raveli Melech of Lezhensk, along with his namesake, um, uh, Kalman Kalanapis, um, the author of the Ma'or Shemesh. Kalmachalamus Epstein, along with many other Hasidic masters, and he was born in uh, in, in near near Warsaw. And what's so so amazing about him is that during the he wrote a number of books that are very contemporary that speak very much to us nowadays. And his perhaps most famous work, known as the Eish Kodesh, the Holy Fire was written in the Warsaw Ghetto. The Rebbe worked at great length to continue Jewish life in the ghetto um, spiritually, to continue secret yeshivas and synagogues, uh, mikvahs and, and secret weddings, to keep Jews connected 
spiritually throughout the horrors of the Holocaust. His book, his collection of his sermons that was compiled and written during the ghetto were hidden away in a large metal canister, milk canister, that was compiled by something called the Onig Shabbos Project, a group of Jews that gathered manuscripts during the ghetto as testament to what went on in there. We actually visited these canisters in Warsaw, and we saw excerpts, the actual canister in which these excerpts were hidden, and we actually saw excerpts of this writing from the Eish Kodesh that preserved in a museum. These were hidden uh, in the ghetto and were found after the war and shipped to Israel where they were, many of the works were reprinted. So the ideas from the Eish Kodesh are powerful and spiritually uplifting, but also tell about the tale of the struggles that he himself was personally going through during the war. So we're going to share this piece. This piece begins from, from this week's Parsha, where Moshe comes to the Jewish people and he says, God is going to get us out of Egypt. And it says, it says the Torah that the Jewish people did not hear him. They didn't listen to Moshe because of the constricted breath, shortness of breath, and the hard labor. And Rashi points out that anyone who's in a place of of suffering, of stress, of constriction, his air and his breath, it's shortened. And he's not able to draw down with his breath. We're going to, at the end, I'll share with you my own novel interpretation of these words. But and then a few lines later, Moshe says to God, Moshe says to God, how am I going to speak to, to Paro? The Jewish people themselves don't believe, don't listen to me. How will Paro listen to me? And I am orosifasayim. I am of blocked lips. And it's explained that Moshe had a speech impediment. He wasn't a, a good public speaker. So says the Eish Kodesh. Says the Eish Kodesh, uh, a question from his ancestor, the Rav Elimelech of Lezhensk, brought, that's written in the Nome Elimelech. He says, I understand that the Jewish people couldn't listen to Moshe because they were under so much pressure from the work, they couldn't hear his words. But how could he say that, and therefore how can, how can Par, how will Paro listen to me? If the Jewish people won't listen to me, how will Paro listen to me? He said, what do you mean? It just explained, the Torah explained why the Jewish people couldn't listen, because they were under, under pressure from the hard work. They weren't able to hear the words of consolation and of hope. But Paro, he could have heard them. He wasn't under constriction and stress. Why wouldn't Paro hear him? So he continues. Uh, Additionally, Moshe says in... um, in when when we first introduced the Moshe, in last week's Parsha, he says, Kavid peva kavid lashen anochi. I am of... Uh, thickness of mouth and heavy speech, meaning he had trouble speaking. But here he says that he was blocked lips. It, 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 it sounds like he can't speak at all. So why did it suddenly change? Why was Moshe originally uh, uh, had a speech impediment? It was hard for him to speak. And now suddenly in this week's part, it sounds like he cannot speak at all. 
So he answers as follows. Uh, and he says that, what do you mean? The Jewish people are under constriction and pressure and stress from the slavery. So that's a reason that they couldn't hear Moshe's words of consolation. On Adaraba, on all the more so, on the contrary, that should have been a reason for them to listen more and been more uh, gladdened and, and, and enlivened by the words of hope that they would get out of slavery. And he answers as follows. When a person hears good words and he has, he can still has his spirit. The word ruach means air or wind, but it also means spirit. His spirit is still within him that he's not, then, then he can get, then he gets joy. He, he, he internalizes the words of hope and faith and he, and he's in, enlivened by that. But on the other hand, on the other hand, when a person is so broken from the beating and the suffering and the oppression, then even though he wants to believe, it's it's almost impossible to believe at that point. You've lost your own spirit. Your spirit has been broken, and now you've given up all hope. And says the Piyasas the Rebbe, I seen this myself in my own time here in the Warsaw Ghetto. People have been broken so much that many have lost their faith. They've lost their ability to believe that that a salvation can come. Therefore, they were not able to listen to Moshe. Even though they believed in him, they couldn't hear his words. That because of the, the, the oppression, they were not able to hear his words. Even though I'm speaking in their for their goodness, they're not able to listen to me. Their essence and their spirit has been crushed. And if the spirit of the Jewish people is gone, says Moshe, then I cannot speak to Paro. I, my ver- my ability to save the Jewish people is based on the Jewish people's ability to believe in me and to believe in God. Without that, I have no ability to speak to Paro. I lose my power, says Moshe, as their leader, if they don't have a little bit of faith. My greatness is only because of the Jewish people. So, in all the suffering we see, Shaboim Yodu, Kulam should take if Lamachar Yevashuo. That throughout all the suffering the Jewish people go through, if we know that tomorrow can come the salvation, that even those who have given up hope can still believe. Even those who have been broken, if we just hold on to the belief that tomorrow the salvation can come, tomorrow a brighter future can awaits us. 
But if we believe there is no end to the darkness, and, and, and people don't have any ability to hold on in their face, then we give up hope and our spirit falls completely. And says the Rebbe in Eitzah, how do we hold on? It's we have to believe with simple faith, wholeheartedly in God. That a feeling at the shover, marusus, mekol makom tietamim, beshalim, this chazek, imashem lachacha. That even if our, we're broken completely, if we hold on to a piece of a spark of hope, what's known as the pintle yid, the spark of Jewish faith that exists within the deepest recesses of the soul, that can never be broken, that can never be defiled, that can never go away. Ki yodea ata shashem lachacha imacha. But sorry, that if you know that Hashem is with you in the suffering, in that darkness, Hashem is there. Then we won't run after those that 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 believe that they can tell the future to say there is no hope in the darkness. The pasuk Tamitiyam Believe wholeheartedly in Hashem. It's a pasuk that teaches us that we shouldn't go after soothsayers. We shouldn't go after psychics and card readers and those that know the future through astrology. We shouldn't believe in them. Even though they may be able to tell the future, a Jew should not look to the future. A Jew should trust that whatever happens, I'm going to hold on with simple faith in God that I'll get through it no matter what happens. And when you believe in Hashem with simplicity, tamim, with simple faith, with wholehearted faith, tamim, tiyeh, im Hashem elchecha, then Hashem is with you. Even in those darkest times when you don't see the future. But don't, don't believe in the doomsayers that say, I know there is no salvation. Because that goes against our faith. Because we believe a salvation can come at every moment. The Talmud says that even if a sword is upon your neck, do not give hope of salvation. Says Moshe, says Moshe to the Jewish people, just believe that a salvation can come. You don't have to know how. You don't have to know when. But if you have a glimmer of hope, then that itself will bring the salvation. So I want to just expound for a second on the words uh, of, and now I'm speaking from my own my own insight, the words of Rashi. Rashi says they weren't able to hear Moshe because of the Kotzer Ruach and Mavoda Kasha, because of the, the, the shortness of breath and the hard labor. And Rashi says anyone who's in a place of, of mates or a place of suffering, he's not his... His rucho v'nishmaso is kitzara. His his wind, his breath, are short, and he's not able to draw down with his breath. So amazingly, the word ruach means breath, but it also means spirit. The word nishimaso means breath, but it also means neshama, soul. When a person is in a place of mitzar, the word mitzrayim comes with the Hebrew word mitzar, which means a place of constriction, a place of sar, a place of narrowness, a place of suffering. Then their ruach and their neshama is shortened. What does that mean? They don't have the ability to connect to their neshama. When they're in a place of constriction and suffering, they can't draw down and connect to their neshama. The Baal Shem Tov explains, 
as we mentioned before, that that exile is really a state of mind, and redemption is also a state of mind. That a person can be in the darkest of places, in the darkness of Auschwitz or the Warsaw Ghetto, and they can be, can be connected to redemption, to light, and to hope. It's all about your state of mind. Right? Slavery is a time, and exile is when we lose sight of our neshama, of our soul. We lose hope of the fact that Hashem is with us at every moment, as inside us, even in the darkest of places. That is exile. So how do we get out of exile? How do we get out of slavery? By remembering and recognizing that Hashem is with us even in this moment. So what's the difference between pain and suffering? Pain takes place in the body. Suffering takes place in the mind. How do we turn pain into how do we transform pain into something positive as opposed to becoming suffering? Is all about our perspective, right? We go through pain all the time and it doesn't lead to suffering. When? When you go to the gym or when you go to the doctor and you get a shot, you know that it's for a greater purpose and therefore you're able to push through the pain and rise above it and see the salvation and the hope in that suffering, knowing that it's for a purpose. The difference between pain and suffering is knowing that it's for a greater good, knowing that it's for a greater purpose. When it's random, then it leads to suffering because then we lead to wallowing and into victimhood and saying, why me? But when we recognize that there's a purpose to our suffering, that it's all for a greater, a greater good, then we can push through the pain and rise above it. So how do we connect to the neshama? How do we break out of this constriction? It's through giving ourselves a moment to breathe, to catch our breath literally and connect to the neshama. Take a moment, whether it's a minute a day, five minutes a day, or more, to meditate, to stop the noise and the distractions. Put away the phone. Put away the noise and just contemplate. The Masil Sharm, one of the great books on Jewish self-improvement, says that Paro knew the secret to destroy the Jewish people, and that's by giving them hard labor. By giving them so much backbreaking work that they didn't have a moment to breathe, he knew he would destroy their spirit. So how do we fight back against Paro? Is by making sure to take time to contemplate throughout our day. And ultimately, Shabbos is the gift to the Jewish people. I saw a quote on social media this week that from the Rambam, from Maimonides, that a Jew who keeps Shabbos knows that one-seventh of his life will be without stress one seventh can you imagine that and all the more so if we can live with this faith and that we can live literally in tranquility at all times knowing that no one can hurt us knowing that everything that happens for a reason not needing to be jealous or angry it's unbelievable we can live literally in gan eden in paradise if we can only internalize this that hashem is running the show and with us at every moment there's nothing to be stressed about there's nothing to be angry about everything is for a purpose so in our days the the sources of evil have come up with the master plan to take away our ability to connect to the soul and that's called the smartphone the smartphone ensures that every moment of our life we're linked in to something and that and by that means disconnected from our true self 
Because at every, any moment, whenever you even try to connect, you're distracted by a beep or a buzz. And the key is to turn off that phone. Five minutes to an hour a day, have a zone, a cell phone-free zone, and one day a week to just turn it off completely and just really connect. So I think that the message, the greatest message that we could walk away from, seeing these places of Auschwitz, Majdanek, the Warsaw Ghetto, is to know that a Jew can, is never alone. The Baal Shem Tov used to teach, a Jew is never alone, therefore we never need to be afraid. But we have to remind ourselves that the way to connect to the fact that you're never alone, ironically, is by being alone. By taking a moment to turn off the noise, turn off the distractions, and just be. Just contemplate your existence. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? Where's the good in everything that I'm doing? What's the ultimate goal? How can I see the purpose? And if we can do that, then we can overcome everything. So just to conclude, an amazing thing I just read that Rev, uh, Rev Shapiro, Kalman uh, Kalanimus Shapiro, the PSS, the Rebbe, survived the Warsaw Ghetto and was eventually taken to um, the Travinki Tra- Tra- work camp near Lublin. And he had the opportunity to get out and he refused to leave. He wanted to stay with with his followers, with his people. And shortly after Jewish uprisings in Treblinka and Sabivar, which we actually saw an amazing film on the bus in Poland, the escape from Sabivar, which is a which is a, a, a powerful uh, description of the time that the, the Jewish people actually realized what was happening in the death camp that they were in, Sabivar, and they actually staged a mass escape, all 600 inmates, Uh, escaped at the same time, many of whom survived. But unfortunately, after those uprisings, the Nazis became concerned that there would be further outbreaks, and then they exterminated every Jew in the Travinki camp, including Rav Kalman Shapiro, of blessed memory. Uh, May Hashem avenge his blood, and and the greatest vengeance of of the blood of those who were killed, the six million who were killed in the Holocaust, is when we internalize the life values of these incredible Jewish leaders and live Jewishly, passing on those values to our children. So if we can all take an idea from him, from this week's Parsha, into our life of connecting to that place of hope in the darkness, and just one of our idea from the PSS, the Rebbe, he used to always tell his students that the greatest thing a Jew can do in this world is to do another Jew a favor is to do goodness for others, to stop thinking about ourselves, even in the pit of darkness, if we could try to do, give hope to another, try to help another person, so then ultimately we're helping ourselves connect to the soul in the deepest possible way. I want to wish you all a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos of hope, of connection, connection to each other, connection to God, and most importantly, connection to ourselves.